that to me just led me to this idea that your intuition really is the the source of life and really I think it's the connection to the divine and I think it moves life forward in every situation and I think that's just listening to this complete conviction that gives you an ability to say no to all of the external influences around you because you're listening to what is within you. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Vitruvian Podcast, a podcast centered around self-mastery. I'm your host, Zach Schenken. Today, I'm joined by Nate Lawrence. Nate is a student of bioenergetics, a repeat enthusiast, a clear thinker, and a young philosopher in his own right. I'm beyond excited for, and grateful for our conversation today. Nate, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it, bro. Yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome to connect the other day. Um, over Twitter, I think I've met a lot of really incredible people and thinkers. It's continues to be my favorite platform, even though um, the audience, I guess, hasn't really grown particularly. I, I'm almost like treating it solely as like a networking app. Like the people on there are just so, I don't know, there's such a, a really, really strong community. And because it is like an ideas first application, it's not like flexing any sort of lifestyle. Although, of course, there are those people. Um, I get to meet and connect with people like yourself. And it's cool that you got to, obviously, we connected over you hopping on that brute space, which was cool to see and I think hearing your competence and like depth of thought with a lot of different kind of philosophical topics I could tell that you weren't just you know regurgitating platitudes and you had actually thought through a lot of this stuff for yourself so I wanted to connect and hear a little bit more about your world yeah appreciate that bro well it was it was cool because um like I think I mentioned like I noticed that a while ago when I found Brute uh we had a lot of connections and I don't think many people really saw the the philosophical lens of Brute, and I was so surprised by that. So I, I wrote a few threads about that because um, be, before that, I was already posting a lot. Um, I think I started posting on Twitter around um, it was like maybe March of 2023. So I was just kind of getting into really just the bioenergetic ideas and, and Ray's work. Um, that was really the thing that got me into posting. Um, and I actually was posting stuff in the past. I was actually working on clothing, um, like probably about like two years ago. Um, and then my health essentially just fell apart. Uh, I, I think I was always interested in health, but I did not have any sense of the issues I was dealing with. I was getting crazy hair shedding, bloating, just it got worse and worse, acid reflux, digestive issues. Um, and, it, and it pretty much took away my function for the better part of the 2021 uh all the way up until even 2023 early 2023 but that whole time i think it was really just me trying to get a get a feel for like ray's work because i i kind of found his his work um from danny roddy so he actually posted a lot of content regarding hair loss and that that's how i found out that i i was probably like hypothyroid um, that's really the main focus of Ray's work is the thyroid and metabolism. And that can really be seen as the the systemic energy production and your heat, the heat that you give off is is really the way to measure your metabolism. So like one of the things that I was experiencing was crazy intolerance to cold. I'd be freezing cold, uh, cold extremities. And I just saw all of this correlating with the digestive issues and the hair shedding and bloating. And um, it was it was hard to piece 
together what to do with that information. Um, but Danny, his content really directed me in, in the, the right way, I think. And then I started spending a lot of time on the, the Ray P form and just different forms. People always talk about how insane it is on the Ray P form. And I, and I fully agree with that. But um, really, that was the only thing that could give me any answers regarding my, my issues I was dealing with. So it was almost every single day for I don't even I couldn't even tell you how long, probably a year to two years just researching how I could improve my issues. And I wasn't really able to do much other than that. Um, all of my creative uh, ideas, all of the projects that I was working on pretty much just fell apart. Um, and I think that that was actually a big part of my issues in the first place. I was just completely overstressed with that. And I was really uh, the only one committed to what I was doing with the clothing. I mean, I was doing it with friends, but it was just a thing that was I needed to learn it was just mine because um, my friends couldn't really commit like like me. Um, and I think that was part of the, you know, thing with the health issue starting. But really, like, as I was learning more about Ray's ideas, I started realizing that I had a pretty good grasp on it. And I was starting to see improvements slowly but surely. And I was actually able to kind of get back to who I felt like I was. You know, it's really like I, I was not able to access myself um and that to me uh when someone experiences that I, there's there's really not words that you can describe it but it really feels like you're in quicksand and life is just picking at you and um it was just slowly but surely that i was able to inch out of that and just each each step that i took it just kept leading me towards um this idea that just my intuition is the guide in every life circumstance and that became the biggest thing for me that I focused on, really just leaning into my in, my feeling, my uh, natural um, instinct. And like I always knew that the standard recommendations that just from seeing doctors and get different gastroenterologists and people like that for my issues, none of the recommendations that they gave were helpful. And I intuitively knew that. And they said, you know what, you just got to keep sticking with it. Maybe you need to do this every day. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to take Miralax every day. Maybe you need to take this medication. And really, I instinctively knew the entire time. I intuitively knew that it was not working. And I really knew that I needed to listen to myself. Um, but but it was, it takes energy to do that. Um, and, and that's what Ray, I think, his framework provided to me but really it takes a while for something like that to upregulate so it was a little while where I was just like kind of just barely inching on but I was I was making progress and that's when I started uh posting I just decided one day randomly to um start tweeting and that was at, at a point where I already had a pretty good grasp of things and um I just thought it was pretty much therapeutic to to tweet and just share share my ideas share my thoughts um, and I think I started actually just replying to a few guys in the space because there's just a lot of people that share a extremely experience or extremely similar experience with health um, in the Pete sphere, essentially. And that to me was what really drew me in. It's just such a hyper niche, but um, really it was just amazing to connect with those type of people. And from there, that's that's really when I started posting. And then my account just slowly started growing. It, it, it was like I had um, my ideas before Ray. Um, I, I kind of always wanted to do what I'm doing now, but I didn't really have the means to do that. I didn't really have the energy to do it. Um, that That's kind of my um, big thing is that I knew 
always what, what the the point of what I was doing was, but really energy was the only thing missing. And it was like, I'd get halfway through these ideas or I'd get halfway through something. And it was always the point of, I I'm, I'm disciplined. I'm staying, I'm t putting an effort in. I don't understand what the problem is. And the problem is always that I just didn't have the metabolism, didn't have the energy for it. And that was just the most enlightening idea. Cause I see a lot of people who, have so many issues and think that it's a ish, it's a lack of discipline or a lack of effort. And I, I think that's almost never the case. And that's what it's been for me so far. And it's just been great because I actually feel like I can speak and naturally work at things now. And that has just been so liberating. So I, I kind of just went on a huge rant about that. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of my story, how I how I got into all this. But yeah. No, it's good. It, it covered a, a number of questions that I was planning to ask. So <laughs> you did a great intro for yourself, but it begs uh, the question, I think, um, or at least I'm curious about how one goes about starting to, as you continue to like allude to this inching process, like you're getting back and starting to like um, recalibrate that metabolism and, and gain those energy levels back. Um, because arguably whatever practice it is in its consistency demands that level of discipline like you're talking about so it seems to me it's creating kind of a chicken and an egg situation right where you're like you need the energy to do the thing but you're also going to need consistency and discipline to do the things necessary to raise your energy levels uh can you kind of open that up a little bit yeah you know it's like that to me was something difficult to work with because i just i knew when i leaned into things that that uh i was being recommended that they were making me worse you know you i, I think a lot of people always get told oh you just got to stick with it. It, it it will get better it will get better and that was not the case in a single situation regarding my uh like gut health and and whatnot and that to me just led me to this idea that your intuition really is the the source of life and really i think it's the connection to the divine and i think it moves life forward in every situation. And I think that's just listening to this complete conviction that gives you an ability to say no to all of the external influences around you because you're listening to what is within you. And I think that to me became what an idea of discipline was. Um, it, I think discipline just happens uh, from following your instinctive, intuitive feeling. And it was, it was like, that was a difficult concept because I think a lot of people have this idea that intuition is just going off of feelings. I think intuition is the complete opposite of feelings. I think it's completely rational. And I think feelings are fleeting. And I think those are more in line with stress and with your circumstances. I think intuition is completely outside of that. So that was like a big eye opener for me as I was kind of putting it together because it was hard to, you know, kind of not listen to the people around me um who were telling me that you know it will get better or telling me oh you just you kind of got to go through it if it really sucks and just keep putting yourself out there i i didn't really even want to be social i didn't really want to do anything fun um and there was real reason for that um i actually benefited from not trying to force myself into situations that i didn't want to be in and it's so hard for somebody to understand how that is going to work but really it's like all anxiety from external influences in your life just falls away with intuition. And eventually, eventually you always upregulate. And that's what it's been for me. And all of the people in your life, I think always will see, but it takes, it takes being committed to that, that sort of feeling, that natural feeling that you have. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, 
there was a lot of times where I did have to push through, but it, it's it's not even said even like the effort felt felt like it took anything because um, I knew what effort would leave me uh, that would lead me forward. And I knew what effort would debilitate me just intuitively. So that was a big thing. And it, it definitely is a difficult thing for a person to just jump into just to l- listen to their intuition. It's it's difficult if you haven't been your entire life because pretty much everything in the environment turns you away from your intuition and tells you to listen to the expert, tells you to listen to reason, which to me are are absolutely vital, but really they should be secondary to intuition. They should be um, guided by this, in, this intuitive feeling that you have. That to me is the whole picture that's missed in the modern environment. It's It's really turning people away from life and saying that your feelings, your cravings, your desires, your obsessions are wrong and you shouldn't be listening to a single thing that you feel in your heart of hearts you should be following. And Brute had a similar sentiment with that. I think he said, primal desires are virtuous, not sinful. Denial of the beast, uh, I think, denial of the beast within is pretend and pretend is sin. That that was what Brute said. And that to me just like really, really stuck uh, stuck out. Um, yeah. I love that a lot. And, you know, we talked on the phone before this podcast about a previous guest of mine, Reva. She talked about you know, she calls it the church of graphs. Like we've moved into this world where science has replaced God and and following that interconnection to the divine. And it's almost like irrational or um, unreasonable to be listening to yourself and something that you can't put on paper or quantify with a study is should be in, uh, discarded entirely. And uh, yeah, I think it is really difficult. Like you said, everything in society from our early programming, even to that of our parents, which is like teaching us how to interface with the world, all that they frame towards us is that, yes, like innately something is wrong with you and you need to look up and out for direction and guidance and help, whether that be the government for direction on how to run your private life or the medical industrial complex for how to fix some sort of physical feeling you have in your body. Um when in fact, like all of the tools necessary, all of the direction, all of the information that's far wiser than any of those things are within yourself. But it, it, it I think it also has an, another um, difficult duality is that in parallel to all of these kind of structural issues, we've also increased the just ambient noise of the environment with content and social media and stuff like that. And I'm not somebody who like likes to whine or complain on social media. Like I think it's an extremely powerful lever. Like I'm bullish on that world and it's here for better or for worse. So there's there's no sense in complaining about it. But used unconsciously or unintentionally, it is an is something that continues to disconnect you from your intuition. I think you have to create that space and that stillness to really tap into yourself. Completely. Yeah. And I actually I had a tweet pretty similar to what you just said where I think that really what regulates your ability to interact with your environment or interact with particularly social media is is what I was uh, thinking about that your energy is what regulates what you spend time looking at you're not going to have control if you if you're low energy state you're going to be scrolling doom scrolling essentially and anything that triggers a a bad feeling anything that triggers um, some you pretty much I think do not know how to control yourself if you don't have energy. So that was a big thing for me, particularly when I wasn't in great health. Um, really, my Twitter, my Twitter journey, whatever you'd want to call it, um, was kind of guided by only going on Twitter when I when I felt at, at the highest state possible. 
And that kind of let me avoid all of the toxicity of the modern culture. And to me, that should be the focus. I don't think that screen time is an issue. I genuinely do not. And that's, I think, a really shocking thing to a lot of people. But I actually, like I think I said on the brute space, I think kids should be spending more time on their phones. They should be learning how to interface with with reality through the through the internet. And I think the thing that should be considered is always the metabolism and always the health, because that's what allows you to really regulate what you are experiencing. Because if you look at this in the sense of the cellular level, you're able to assimilate what needs to be brought into the cell and you're able to exclude what needs to be kept out of the cell. That I think gets back to the idea. I really see a lot of these um, cellular all the way up to societal level. I, I, I see them in the same light. And I think that's a big thing that bioenergetics gave to me. And um, it's just a powerful way of looking at the world because once you really understand that all of these life processes are guided by the metabolism, guided by the metabolic rate of life, essentially energy. Energy is everything. That is the whole point. The flow of energy is everything. And when we can look at where the blockages occur in this flow, particularly digestion, particularly with anything that's uh, impairing the ability to use glucose, um, that's, I think, where we find all of the answers to all life problems. People tend to think that looking at um, life in these metabolic terms is a little bit... Um, reductionist, I tend to think it's the exact opposite. I tend to think it's it, it's really what opens us up to these unexplainable ideas that we're never going to have a grasp on. I think it, it definitely is divine. It definitely, there's higher level ideas that humans will never understand. But I think our way of interfacing with that is through bioenergetics. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely very compelling and I, it's exciting to hear you talk about it because I can tell that it is so connected to yourself like in an, in an emotional and an energetic sense like it is both within and without you and it is like you know you you have developed this philosophy and, and like have connected it to the way that you live your life like it's more than a worldview it's more than just a perspective or a knowledge base that you've created for yourself but it's like an embodiment um like you have truly taken that energy and put it into the body and used it in a generative sense. And that's what I wanted to get back to with the social media thing is, you know, something that I talk about a lot is, yeah, I completely agree that screen time inherently isn't the issue, but it is percentage of time spent in a creative and generative state as compared to like pure consumption, because that, that balance, it must be weighed. I do, I do agree that like whatever is meant to be retained is going to be retained, like the intuition, the higher mind, it'll hold on to what it needs to. And I think Brute talked about that as well. Like, you know, you, he doesn't take notes or like any of that stuff when he reads or consumes stuff. He doesn't jot stuff down. Like he, he just trusts that he'll remember what he needs to. And I heavily, heavily relate to that. Like I'm not, I've never been a big like annotator when I read, I just read and continue to consume, listen to podcasts. And then when I'm talking to somebody and then I have an idea, like I trust my brain to make the synthetic connection it needs to, oh, this idea sounds like this and I can just bring it in. And if I don't remember it, it wasn't meant to come up, but yeah, I think I think balancing the the in versus the out and the consumption versus the creation is kind of the crux there. Totally. Yeah, and and to me that's like if you're looking at it at the at the metabolic level, it's like creation and consumption. It's the absolute spiral. It's it's absolutely the uh contrast and and I I talk about William Blake just so much cuz Ray his philosophy is really built on this this uh creative view of reality that that Blake sort of brought forward and he saw all of these contrasts in nature and just in life in general I think he said 
without contrary, there is no, um, I forget the quote exactly, something about just contraries, that is life essentially. And once you like realize that it's never about maintaining a perfect balance between each force, it's always about leaning heavily towards one that's generative and then keeping, to me, it's pretty much pro-stress versus anti-stress that you lean into these things that are anti-stress because we're always going to have stress. But stress is actually the stimulus that leads life forward. And it's like, I think, consuming. I think it's definitely a great thing for people in, in the sense where if they are looking at something that can draw them forward, something that can bring them towards a uh, ability to create something and kind of actualize it into like real matter, I think that's 100% a positive thing. But again, it always gets to the point when the balance is out of whack. And that's, I think, the whole crux of the issue with modern society is that this this middle that brew talks about this middle class this middle uh pay schedule like the midwit it's like all of it gets back to this idea that there's no polarity and there's no contrast and really i think contrast is where life exists um and it's it's i don't think it's exactly binary on the on the uh whole holistic level but i do think that there's all of these contrasts all of these relationships that add up To this bigger holistic picture so yeah i don't know it's like i think i think it is totally about balancing it um but it's it's to me that the natural flow of energy is is the thing that regulates it properly because i think looking at life in isolation and saying that um one thing needs to be dealt with or the other thing needs to be dealt with really the whole system needs to be dealt with i think that's ray's idea that energy and structure are interdependent at every level like that's the holistic view of life, really getting out of this reductionist thinking, getting out of this idea that um, there's one central source in life that everything um, needs to come back to. It's really like the ruling class, I think, is, is really what it gets back to, that kind of the matrix idea of like each individual is going back and feeding the source instead of working together as a creative unison. And um, yeah, I think it's it's difficult to like really view how that is working in, in Western society today. But I do think that there's eventually going to be a point where society is liberated in that sense. But who knows when, when that will be. But I think Ray tended to say that, like, it's probably not going to be anytime soon, but eventually life will probably regulate regulate itself. Yeah, I was actually thinking over the social media example, like putting myself in the eyes or the, the, the seat of somebody who maybe is listening to this or is in the state where they haven't found like, you know, their gift to give the world. I talk a lot about people finding like their purpose and their mission um, and something to share, because I think aspirationally, a lot of people are like, yeah, I'd love to be able to create. I just have no idea what to create, like what, what even what I share. And I was thinking for that kind of person, how do you tell them to balance the creation and consumption if they don't have anything to make? And at first it would be like, okay, you need to, you know, balance your screen time with like holding specific space. But then it starts to feel like, rigid and structured. And honestly, even if I, I'm retrospective on my journey, you just need to just triple down on the consumption, like lean so heavily one way that you've consumed so much that eventually some sort of thesis or some sort of version of art like comes out of you naturally. Like it really was not an intentional choice necessarily for me to start creating, I guess, um, or it certainly was no conscious plan ahead of time. Like, I guess it was a very intentional choice to start, but there was no like plan. It was just continue to read the next book, continue to see the next podcast, continue to consume, consume, consume to the point where you finally do have something to share. And it's hard to know what that like, 
you know, catalyst will be the thing that gets your activation energy necessary, but you'll probably accelerate that timeline for yourself. If you just double down, like how, okay, can I listen to a podcast a day? Can I listen to two podcasts a day? Can I read whatever? And you, if you're just following your natural curiosity and not being like truly degenerate and just listening to like, I don't know, like streamers or whatever, I think typically it'll end up with a positive backswing. Yeah. You know, like I think that nothing is ever wasted. I tend to think that everything that, that you accumulate essentially can always be used in the future. And that to me was something where like I had a time where I was dealing with all my issues. Essentially, all of all that I was doing is just reading and just kind of gathering knowledge, kind of gathering experience and things that I knew would be helpful to learn, but I didn't really have it directed anywhere at the time. Um, and, and I, and I wasn't really sure where that was going to head, but it's like, you're kind of building this, um, body of resources to leverage. And to me that get, got to the point where a year down the line or two years down the line, I'm calling back on these ideas that I thought that I wasn't going to be able to use, or I thought that I was wasting. And really it's like, there's always a use for, for what you've gone through. And it's, it's just about accumulating that experience and being fine with it and really leaning into it. Like you said, um, that was how, that's how it worked for me. But like, I noticed that anytime that I planned anything, especially in the past, this was a big issue where I would plan things really concretely to the point where I would have everything just, I'd only be able to get to the start I'd, I, or I'd only be able to get halfway through something and I could never just fully complete it, fully actualize it. And that led me to the idea that plans really plans and perfectionism and needing things to be a certain way really get in the way of this flow of this like pretty much structure of reality that that you really need to move with the times and just move with what what's coming to you right now. You just use what's at your disposal and you can't worry about what you have or don't have. You just you go with what you have. You just you make it work. But really, it's like telling that to somebody isn't isn't really advice. It's it, it's not advice. It's just something that happens to you. And to me, it was like plans happen. Discipline happens. All of these things happen when you're being driven by obsession and and this like kind of vision that you have in your head. That to me is just finding the mission. And I absolutely saw that connected. The mission and intuition are really the same in the lens that it moves life forward effortlessly. It's this complete flow. And I, I talked about that with Brute because um, I think that's just really the whole framework of, of both of our philosophies, both of our views, you know. 100%. And um, oh, yes, this this idea that like nothing is lost, like I think that's really, really compelling. And I think it's super empowering, too, because everybody has this like, we'll call it like a wilderness period, like where you're just very lost, whether you're going through, say, a health crisis, or you get laid off of a job, or you get out of a relationship, and you just you haven't found the mission, you haven't kind of connected to that tether of intuition quite yet. And it can feel very defeating especially if it's like a big pivot, say career-wise, you've sunk X, Y, and Z amount of time into a university degree or whatever. It's easy to look at that in a defeatist sense and say, I wasted it. But I think, like you said, it's not advice, but it's important to highlight like stories um, that show that it is true, even on the grandest scale. Like somebody who has been very central to my personal inspiration is Steve Jobs. And he had like a great quote, like you can never connect the dots looking forward, but you can always connect them looking back. And his story even represents that very well. Like it wasn't just, you know, a platitude that he launched off in a speech. It was actually like very emblematic in his journey. For instance, like his period of studying calligraphy 
just because it was something that he was interested in as a liberal arts student, literally like stealing classes at a community college. He had no idea he was going to go on to found Apple and then completely change the way that computer interfaces worked with fonts and typefaces. But it was extremely core when it came to that place that he had all this basal knowledge that he could just pull on and all of this like references when it came to like he was working on Apple. And that's something that in the moment, I'm sure his environment was like, you're studying calligraphy. Like, what's that going to be doing? He was probably even doubting himself. Like, what is this really doing for me? Other than the fact that he was just following his, the best intuition and curiosity he had at the time. And it was additive. It, it wasn't taken away. In fact, it was extremely powerful when it came time to be implemented. And he didn't have to write the plan ahead of time. He didn't have to tell somebody when he was in the class at calligraphy, like, oh, I'm studying this to go implement it later in this world changing company I'm going to build that you don't know about yet. Like it would be just, it's just like an asinine concept. But I think that, yeah, like for anyone who's in that quote unquote, like dark place or like the wilderness, like you feel like you're kind of lost. Like I, I love reframing the life happening to you to the life happening for you thing. Like everything that's happening right now, wherever you're at is 100% for you and for where you're going. Like you may not be able to see the thing, but just tr try to keep the, that like your head up as opposed to down in the weeds and start looking for where this could potentially tether and connect you to the next uh, part of your journey. Yeah, totally. Like for me, I always just like, it was always a concept for me of just perseverance. Just that just naturally was something I always gravitated to. And it's like, I think that I always saw the, the light at the end of the tunnel just in, in general in life. And I think that's a difficult pe thing for a lot of people. I think it's a lot, um, a lot of that comes innately, but really just leaning into this idea that going into the darkness is not going to actually do anything. You're still you. You're always still you. That's the thing that I think people miss. And yeah, conditions can become terrible. You, you can have almost zero control over yourself, but that to me is what actually brings out this end flow. I think that's the idea to me that just greatness emerges from sickness. And to me, it's like, that is the whole idea of you need to, you need to have a reason. Necessity is the mother of invention. That to me is like life installs these mechanisms to make things necessary to, to occur. It's like that, that was like, if you're left with no option, then you need to follow your intuition. That, that was how I found, found like pretty much the idea. It's like, I had no other option but to lean into my intuition. I couldn't really do much. I couldn't really think really clearly. And the whole process started building itself. Um, yeah, and it's it's like, again, it's it's so funny because I like I talk about like, it's not really advice, but it's like something that a person finds themselves and you can kind of support someone on that path. Like I, I really like um, Ray talked about this, this uh, psychologist, Carl Rogers, and Really, his idea, he was a therapist. He uh, had this focus on client-centered therapy. And it was essentially this idea of supporting someone and being positive and, re uh, positive and supporting whatever they're uh, tending towards and really just having their path of knowledge be at the center front, not recommending anything for people, really just supporting their own discovery. That, to me, is, I think, the whole concept of this decentralized system of life, this, this really free spirit that's innate to everyone. But again, when you're in the modern environment, that's the exact opposite of this artificially imposed slow system. But um, yeah, really, you can just get around that by listening to your intuition, I think. But 
Yeah, it's interesting. And and it brings to mind something that I've I've I have been and consistent and continue to wrestle with as like a, a working thesis and I'm tending in in one direction, especially as of late, but I've I've always wondered like, is a tremendous amount of pain and suffering necessary to create great art? You know, like I want as the optimist to believe no. And so I've always kind of explored it. Like, is it possible? Like, can you circumvent the suffering period and still create something great for the world? Um, but the writing's on the wall, right? Like all of the great artists of all time have these like crazy stories with like, whether it's personal grief and suffering or toxic relationships with the substance. I mean, like you can go down the list. Like, it, I mean, it's just insane, right? And, and it's why we see a lot of these artists throughout time potentially take their lives because they lose that kind of battle to depression or, or whatever they're particularly struggling with. But then they end up creating these indelible works of art. Um, and so I've always wondered, like, does in every person's individual journey, pain have to be necessary for them to create something great out of themselves or their life? And I, I kind of at this point have landed on thinking that pain is just a it's the universe or God's um, change agent to raise your self-awareness like the the lesson essentially is guaranteed to be sent to you. Um, and at first it might just be like a nod or a whisper or a tap on the shoulder in the form of you read it somewhere, somebody gives you a piece of advice and you have the opportunity to turn and listen to that. But if you ignore it, then next time it's like, you know, it's like a punch on the shoulder or like a slap on the face. And then you have your another opportunity to like turn in, into the light and actually make the correction necessary. But if you turn away, next is a car accident or somebody beating the fuck out of you. Um, and this is obviously like metaphorical, but I think, uh, that's like my current thesis. And I'm, I'm curious how you feel about the necessity for pain and struggle to bring about and catalyze change in someone's life. Yeah, I, I think that's that's interesting because I actually had a talk like a discussion with this with the mutual on Twitter about this. And um, he he highlighted this idea that like a lot of the great artists of history, a lot of them actually, if you really dig into it, they didn't really suffer for their art, but they they had to suffer to move their art forward. Then to me, it was this idea that necessity is 100% the mother of invention. You know, as, as Plato said, I brought that up a little bit earlier. Um, but to me, I don't think that life is, itself is a struggle. I really don't. I think that art is ultimately guided by reaching for God and reaching for divinity. But it really doesn't matter what struggle, what stress you're going through. Ultimately, the innovator could not care what stress happens to them, what what uh, trauma that they experience, because really they're running straight through that towards this this ultimate like light towards this higher energy that they're seeing. And again, it's like to me, this like idea that like Ray focused on was that life. Um, he highlighted this in his book, uh, Generative Energy. That's Ray's uh, main like book that kind of laid out his philosophy. And I wish I remembered exactly what he said, but it's something along the lines of um, life emerged um pretty much spontaneously out of um, uh, like carbon and it was a volcano. I forget exactly what he wrote, but pretty much the idea is that if if people realize that there's no struggle for, for life, what would that mean for the ruling class? That's that's pretty much Ray's idea. And I tend to like really align with him with that because it ultimately gets back to this idea of like, what is the source of energy? And to me, it's always this divine higher spirit that is ultimately youthful in nature. Like I, we talked about this on the space with the brute. He said like 
there's a quote from Heraclitus, like the universe is a child at play with like colored balls. And I, I think that's kind of a good picture of it, but really like maximizing the youthful state is the entire core of Ray's idea. And he saw that he saw evolution in the lens that life is tending towards higher consciousness, higher brain energy, higher um, levels of uh, consciousness essentially is the main thing. And he that's why I think he saw the infantile and feminine nature coming out in evolution. Like he, he said that um, our evolutionary future is infantile and, and feminine. So it's like, to me, that's this idea that like the, the infant has this high energy flow and ability to resist stress and metabolize everything. They have this high metabolic rate where they're really like functioning at a level that's imperceivable to a person that's older who has accumulated stress. And it, to me, like, Everyone, I think, instinctively knows that like the youthful spirit, that ir irresponsible people are the most artistic people. Not, not in the sense of irresponsible as in they don't have a, a grasp of their reality. More so, they're leaning into their feelings. They're leaning into their uh, in intuition, I think, is really the core of it, like I keep saying. But um, it's to me this, this idea that like struggle is only necessary if if you um if you think about it like i think the bad art actually basks in the struggle and i think the good art reaches far beyond it like that's kind of what i thought about it but dude i i completely agree and it's funny you say that because i've always had an aversion to like say og era gary v like you literally have to eat shit for 30 years and then you could start talking like, <laughs> like that kind of concept to me like hustle culture grind 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 and it We've we've seen like probably a downturn in that, but there still is always those people that like will get red in the face and scream at you on Instagram about like you gotta grind, you gotta want it, and all of those characters I've always found like so incredibly tacky. I always hated in sports, like I played sports my entire life. I hated the coaches that would like yell at you. I always wanted them to just be like, "Hey, I'm an adult. Can you just give me like feedback on how to play better?" Like, um, so I've always had this like innate intuitive feeling that was against the idea that it had to be hard. And the, I remember the first time uh, it was in an online uh, mentorship that I, I bought into something like latched on and like completely connected to my psyche. And they were like, what would this look like if it was easy? You know, like nobody asks that kind of question, but I think it's so compelling anytime you find yourself in a bit of a, a jam, whether it is with your business or school or trying to make a hard decision, like taking a step back and saying, what if this didn't have to be a hard decision? What would this look like if it was just absolutely effortless? And you'll find that just like water flowing in a stream, like your your brain, if you allow it to, will find a low friction path forward. Um, and so I agree. And then I also think it's really compelling the idea of the infantile because there are so many different cultures. And even when you read with like an open eye towards a lot of the traditional wisdom texts, like even the Christian Bible, um, I'm currently like reading that now. And it's so funny how much of the core wisdom is trying to push you back to being like a child, you know, like even all the metaphors, like God, the father, you are the, you are a child in his hands, like all of these different, um, you're, you're the, like the lamb of God, all these different things that point at the idea that you are just a child at play and you can live as a child at play. Um, I, I think it's really, really compelling. There's something I heard from Deepak Chopra on a podcast once he talked about like in his culture, which, I believe is Hindu. I don't want to be like misquoted there, but specifically like his ethnic heritage, they treat life in these like big quartiles. It's like 
you know, adolescence and then young adulthood, adulthood, and then preparing for death. And so he said he's like now entering because he's like 70 something, maybe 80 something. He's entering that preparation for death. And the, like those two endpoints, it's like you enter the world like a child and then you return to it or you leave it basically the becoming a child again, right? Like you start to become more dependent, you lose your faculties. But the idea is that at both of those endpoints, you have like a, a sense that like you care, you don't care about your environment. And I think that that's really powerful. I was actually thinking about that yesterday because I was at the gym and you always see like those really old dudes at the gym and like, you know, they, they've got their pants pulled up super high. They got their long socks, like, but they don't give a fuck what anyone thinks of them. They'll stare at somebody when they want to stare at them. They'll say whatever they want. They'll walk around the locker room naked. And I was thinking about that. And it's always like, as a young person, you're like, what are these old guys getting on about? But you start to realize the like true power and just not giving a damn. And the same thing is mirrored in the baby. Like a baby will just like waddle around in the world doing whatever it wants, touching what it wants, pointing at what it wants. Like, and then once they learn to speak, it, kids will just say stuff with no filter. And that I think there's like true, true magic in those two endpoints. Bro, totally, totally. That to me was like so enlightening because like I saw the same thing with um, this idea that like the the infant and the and the um elderly are exactly the same and in the sense to me where it's like they have the free spirit they have like the way you go in is really the way you go out like to me i think that is this whole picture of the middle needs to be avoided at all costs and these polarities are really that what drives life and like we were talking about discipline a little bit earlier like you look at like the gary v type hustle guys or like david goggins like a great example I tend to think people like him are not actually forcing a single thing. I think they're being driven by higher energy that's telling them that they should do something within their spirit. And they're actually doing nothing that takes any effort for them. They're putting an effort. Yes, of course they are. But really, it's effortless. And that's, I think, the same thing that you see with the elderly and the baby. They don't care what they're doing in their environment. They're doing what they need to do, what they want to do. And like, uh, bro, it's powerful because I think people completely miss that. Like really the most disciplined people, if it was difficult for, for a successful disciplined per, disciplined person, they wouldn't be successful because they wouldn't be able to sustain it. Everything in life needs to be to the point where it's easy and simple to be consistent. I think consistency is really when something is so natural, so effortless that you don't even need to think about, oh, do I need to do this? Oh, do I need to lift? No, it's just, it's my nature. Like, you know what I'm saying? That to me, was like the thing that I saw connected with the the young spirit and, and the old spirit. They just, they follow what they want to do. Like, that's the whole thing. You know, nothing is being imposed on you. It's ultimately this like anti-authoritarian state, you know? Yeah, that, that I'm so glad that you ended on that because the idea and like the word that keeps coming up in my head is sovereignty, like wanting to just be truly sovereign as a spirit and an individual. And yeah, the Goggins idea, like I have a mutual friend, Ryan, he has a podcast and he's talked before as this idea, he thinks like he's positioned or posited that David Goggins is a monk. Like he has reached transcendence through kind of the physical endeavor, but he is as ascended or enlightened as somebody who's like meditating in the mountains. And to your point, I completely agree. Like David Goggins, he like, you know, hammers on about discipline and like forcing yourself through hard things. Cause like, I think that's the language and like the it's the thing he's trying to convey to the masses because I think it's very digestible. But I absolutely think in his internal state, like he is flowing from the second he wakes up 
and like puts the shoes on and runs at 5 a.m. for however many miles. Like you can't tell me somebody, you know, 150 miles into a 200 mile race is forcing the next step. They're just falling down forward. Like it is literally a gravitational pull in the direction necessary. Um, and the idea that like, yeah, the, the sovereignty thing, it's something that resonates with me because I've always been, I hate to say anti-authority, but I've hated since I was lit, like I have very young memories of it, like being in school all the way up through my entire life. It's why I'm an entrepreneur, but like, I hate being told what to do. Even if it's like somebody trying to tell me something that's helpful to me, I just, I really resist the imposed structure. And I've always had this sense that like, I know what I should be doing. And I have this inner knowing, so I don't need somebody else to kind of tell me. And it's only in the last few years that I've really kind of connected to that voice, started listening to it and sharpening that relationship where, you know, you hear the call of intuition, you test by listening, it goes well, and then you can kind of do that again and again. And you start to give yourself the evidence that the intuition is actually feeding you the right direction rather than, you know, the psyop that's been fed us, which is you need to be able to prove X, Y, and Z. You need to be able to logically point to why you're doing something before doing it, which in and of itself is almost like an extremely arrogant concept. Bro, exactly, exactly. Like to me, I think that it was it was crazy to think about this in the sense that like really the disciplined person or or the person who's the authority, it's like all it's or it's like we talked about this like brute and I like the the heretics or you know the people in opposition to all of the um pretty much mainstream ideas they, they always are vindicated in the end always like the contrarians really are the ones that have a closer grasp of truth because again nothing can be proven you're right it's like life itself is the proof and that's the interesting thing with data it's like any anything that is data driven is i think essentially guided by a static view of reality yes of course the people who uh, want to be um driven by data of course there's there's value in that but ultimately it's intuition guiding that it's like I, that's that's what I keep getting back to because I think people just take this view that data itself is really the the force of life when really that to me is like this idea that AI is like somehow more competent than human consciousness and I really do think it's like a essentially the idea of giving into to uh like anti divinity really it's that's that's I think what it gets back to honestly but yeah and it's interesting I I. I think it's so profound, the idea, because I don't know, the the midwit, the people under the giant area of the bell curve, like the, it's just very, very lost on them in the in the zeitgeist that science itself, by its nature, will always be a lagging indicator. Like the intuition, the spirituality, the like, I mean, to form a fucking study, you have to have a hypothesis. That is literally an idea that is from your head about how things potentially are. And then you use the data to potentially corroborate, but it's always going to be a lagging indicator. And it's why I found it so funny. And myself and uh, Revo were talking about this. She's like, I saw something on Twitter. She mentioned seeing something on Twitter about a study coming out, talking about the cognitive benefits of going on long walks, you know, and like, it was really profound to people. And she's like, what kind of world have we gotten to that people need a study to tell them that it's probably a good idea to clear your head and go on a long walk. Meanwhile, all of the spiritualists throughout all of history have just walked their ass outside and come upon these massive like schools of thought theories eureka moments uh in science and philosophy etc and and that's like a perfect example right like nietzsche walks the trail creates this body of work 
And then however many years later, 100 years later, we have a study that says you'll probably think a little bit better if you go on long walks. It's like a massively lagging indicator. And it's why I'm much more compelled by currently and excited by the idea of intuition, spirituality, and kind of that higher guidance, because it's always going to keep you at the forefront and ahead of the curve. And you don't have to wait for the data to back it up. Like, again, like you said, I come from, like I studied biomedical engineering at school. I come from that technical world. So I, it's not lost on me the potential value, I suppose, because um, we don't want to just live in a world where we're denying objective reality. But at the same time, if you can take those quantum leaps forward in like acts of faith, and as long as it's not harming you, which I don't believe your intuition will ever lead you to true harm that's not an expansive experience, I don't know. You just get a lot more out of life because you're not waiting for the lagging indicator to catch up to then give you the green light to start in the first place. Bro, exactly. Like to me, Ray had this great article that um, it was about uh, William Blake. He said the title was Can Art Instruct Science? William Blake, a biological visionary. And really, uh, Blake's work is just always highlighting this idea of invention and generation and this idea that life is infinite, really. It's like it's 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 a uh, closed off to our senses. We only have five senses, of course. And really, like the, the quote that I think gets back at it is like, um, if man knew uh, or if the doors of perception were cleansed, man would see what he is infinite. And that was like a, a big one for me, because like there's always things in life that are not true yet that will be true eventually. And I think that is what you get when you follow your feeling, follow your sense, follow your instinct in, intuition. And that's ultimately what the innovator listens to. You know, there's the, it's, it's ultimately gets back to this idea of a generative reality, one that's of abundance, one that's overflowing and constantly creating and one that has a, a scarcity and one that has a uh, finite amount really it's always this infinite flow. And I think like Heraclitus was really the first person who I saw um, in history that really focused on this idea of this constant change, this constant flow. And um, like he saw it in like the, the universe is all fire. Everything's built out of fire. Um, and ultimately to me, like fire, that's metabolism. Um, and I think Georgi Dinkov, who's a bioenergetic researcher, he's a great genius guy. Um, he actually, I think he posted something about that I need to touch up on. But like, uh, yeah, there's just there's so much, in in my opinion, to connect between this metabolic idea and this idea of this generative life and this this force of nature um, with William Blake and even Nietzsche's work. Like, um, yeah, there's just there's so much to it. And it's just it's a, it's a picture that I'm such a such a fan of and just glad that I can, you know, sort of bring it to light. But yeah, I love it as well. And you know, the stoicism has risen in popularity in the past few years. And Marcus Aurelius talks about this idea of the fire as well. And uh, connecting that Latin idea, amor fati, like love your fate, like fall in love with every aspect of it and treat yourself or imagine yourself or your life maybe in total as this fire. Everything you throw onto a fire creates the fire. Like it, it, it continues to grow and bellow and strengthen it. So even if you throw in something that's less than ideal, like not firewood it's still going to be consumed by the fire and make the flame larger um so i, I think that is really really compelling and I, I love that it also ties in at least in a metaphorical sense to the idea of of metabolism yeah it's like there, it, that brings me into something because like you said you know anything you throw on the fire it will kind of serve a purpose and 
honestly, like that br brought me to this idea of, you know, of course, seed oils and PUFA. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, like Ray's idea, but really the thing was like polyunsaturated fats, the, the, ex the excess consumption of polyunsaturated fats were really the first thing that we saw in history that was really lowering the metabolic rate of humans and lowering heat production. And this is when we saw the declining temperatures. And now temperatures of humans are completely in decline and much lower than they used to be. And we see all the chronic illness and chronic diseases. And it's really this idea that like anything that opposes the metabolic rate, anything that um, gets in the way of this energy flow should be avoided. Uh, keeping the metabolic rate up is ultimately the main thing. That That's kind of one of Ray's quotes. But like when you have like things in the environment that are introduced and kind of oppose nature, oppose this natural structure that builds um That to me is like, there's not really even an answer that to look for, like of why were these things put in the environment? Why were health issues even a thing in the first place or whatnot? Because we're living longer and longer, yet we're in worse health. People are unable to do as much as they want to do, have less autonomy over themselves. And really that to me just is a clear sign that something is wrong. And it's like these anti-metabolic things, really polyunsaturated fat was the first one where it's like, We're consuming these seed oils. We're consuming these uh, high high levels of polyunsaturated fat that are burning in our um, that are accumulating in our fat stores. And when we burn them, they oxidize and impair metabolism, impair thyroid function. And that's like these these blocks on energy. And that's like the big focus for me because like I, I do see that the physical energy flow is the mental, emotional, and spiritual flow. Like there's a reason that like the things that promote. I say this all the time. It's like. Things that promote physical digestion, promote mental, spiritual, and emotional digestion. It's, I mean, it's so clear to me, um, but it's, it's just hard for people to get that sense until they've really experienced it. You know, it's like, that's the hard thing. It's like, people don't even really realize the low level issues they're dealing with. And that to me is the whole picture to focus on. It's like dealing with these, these issues that people don't even perceive because I think ultimately there's only going to be a um, minority, small minority that's going to be able to have this knowledge, but it's up to people like that who, who, you know, sort of understand this, this metabolic view, understand this energetic view of life to, you know, kind of have the overcorrection of their environment. Like we had a like good discussion about this, like on, I, I made a thread about it. Like, I don't think the average person will ever become like a Peter, so to speak. Um, Cause I think it requires that they perceive, think, act. And that's not really possible for a lot of people. I think there's always going to be an innovator and there's always going to be a follower or essentially William Blake's idea that there's always a prolific and a devourer, somebody that's creating work and people consuming that, that move forward the work of the innovator. Um, and it's, it's just an interesting concept to me because like so many people just don't really have a grasp of what they, they want to be doing. And I think that's completely natural, completely normal, but um Yeah, it's just it's interesting thinking about, I guess, you know. <laughs> It, it is really interesting. And, and I think that that is actually, you're touching on one of the hardest things about being somebody who is the prolific or in the camp that could potentially create something that is prolific. And I, to me, a lot of that comes down to like levels of self-awareness, like, like literal consciousness. Once you've ascended past a certain place, you recognize that yes, you are infinite and in fact can impact the world in a really great way. So those that kind of break through whatever that barrier is, and I think it's different for each individual and some people come in inbuilt, other people have to go through great pain. But once you're there, you realize that one, you're in a very, very small crowd. So it's like extremely isolating. And then the second thing is you look back down 
or back through, you know, the glass and you want other people to experience what you're, what you now feel like true, empowered, physical, emotional, and spiritual vitality. Like once you're on your mission and you wake up every single day, fired up and like, you know, metabolically and physically healthy to attack that goal. And then you can give to the world, not only from just the physical sense, but all the way down to like the mission and what you're giving, the art you're creating. That feeling is, you know, I've never done any sort of like hard drugs, but I can imagine that that's what drugs feel like, or it's even exceeding in that. And so you want to go back, especially to the people you love, like family members, whatever. And you're just like screaming. It's like, you're, you're hammering on the glass. You're like, don't you see, like, don't you see what this is? Like you can come here too, but to your point, there is some percentage of people that just won't. And that's not what's for them and what's for this version of them and this spiritual path. One thing that's given me some peace in that is that I know that everything is happening exactly as it should. And so like what is meant for them might not be and almost guaranteed is not what's meant for me. And somebody who finds themselves and aspires to be amongst the prolific and like lead from the front and be generative, I think that's one of the harder pills we have to swallow is that like you're not going to be able to bring every person you love into that space with you and you just have to make peace with that totally yeah and it's like brood had a great idea about this is like anytime that you know people have um negative or like uh traits that they don't like about themselves almost keeping your hands off of that and trying to actually lead into that you know that's the thing of doubling down on your edge that's that's brood's one of brood's whole ideas is like Everybody has their in, innate de um, degenerative processes that they're drawn to, but really leaning into it is the thing that that stimulates, I think, life. And it's like if you were to like take the fat guy who who's like really jolly and just has a fire in his in his belly, um, like that's that's what creates the food addiction. But that's also what creates the the outgoing personality. It's like the social magistrate really dulling that down, I think, is the whole thing that we see now. Where it's like these people with the ideas or these people who want to pursue really lofty goals, they're told to be come into the middle. No, 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 buddy, you you can't do this. You you can't have ADHD untreated. That's like Brute's thing. It's like that, I think, is the thing of telling a person who just doesn't really have a sense of what they want to do, that they need to be working this artificial or this uh job that's imposed upon them that's not really even doing anything in the world. And to me, it's like of course, there there's a value in having the blue collar labor, and really, like a person should should uh, a person should relish in that. They, they shouldn't feel imposed upon to to do you know because like really that is to me the whole thing is just denying your nature. I think a person intuitively understands that, but um, yeah, it's like the whole I think thing of modernity is like looking at these comparisons. Um, like I think people always focus on this idea of looking at these cultural um expectations are like what like the uh culture on social media it's like these uh really high standards beauty standards for girls or guys or whatnot it's like to me those those aren't really the issue i, I really see it as energy being the issue because like i said i think social media i think you're able to regulate everything you consume in life and not have any like fear reactions when you really focus on the, the energy first like that's i think the thing of not needing anything to be a certain way like you really don't need anything in life to be a certain way at all. Nothing needs to be a certain way. And when you can give into that, I think that's when you're at the healthiest spot because ultimately life is coming to you effortlessly and naturally. Like I say, this is the whole thing, I think. And anytime that you need to force that, force that into being, I think that's ultimately de degenerating yourself. And I think that's ultimately decaying life in, in the most basic sense. But 
Yeah. One thing I will push back on, or I'm kind of curious to get your take on though, is kind of the power of environment because, and I know that, you know, it's typically going to be like all great questions, more of a duality to manage, like a bit of a paradox in of itself. But at the same time, like, you know, it's very parochial wisdom, like, you know, surround yourself with people that are going to push you forward. You're the sum total of the five people around you, like curate your environment to be as expansive towards your goals as possible. And it's something where I personally have, as of very recently, like stress tested the idea that as an individual, I'm stronger than my environment. So like, it doesn't matter where I am and I can just do what I need to do. But I've come to recognize like that takes a tremendous amount of energy when you're just trying to be and become something that's so contrary to where you are physically, like the people you're around, the physical environment you're in. Um, and so it, it almost seems to me like more of a downhill approach to fix the environment. But by the same token, you're you're kind of like what you just said, like you don't need things to be a certain way. Where, like where does that land with you or where do you ride that duality on intentional curation of your environment, people, things, like physical location that you're staying in versus only focusing on your kind of internal state, I guess. Yeah, I, I think like something that I've had in my head is that like, I think that really home is is where your mind is. I, I really think your environment, that's ultimately where where it stems. But like that ultimately takes energy to muster up. And and I think there's absolutely a hundred percent super important value in putting yourself in a place that is going to support your your energy and structure. And like to me, I think that's like that it takes avoiding toxic people, it takes avoiding situations that you don't want to be in. Um and I think that to me is like this thing of like, you know it takes discipline to put yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in. That to me is a sign that something is usually wrong. Um, and it's not to say that discipline is a bad thing, of course, like I said, but like, really it's like discipline should happen, not, not be forcibly imposed. So like for me in particular, like putting myself around people who I aligned with really came just naturally. I didn't really force any of my relationships on Twitter. I didn't really DM anybody people just kind of came to me, you know, like once I was like really in tune with my nature, in tune with my mission. And again, intuition was the thing that led me there. And like when there was anywhere that like I felt like I was having a person in my life who just was not helping my cause or essentially just kind of it was a negative thing for both of us or just a negative thing for me. Um, it was like my intuition told me that, you know, it's like because I'm going to stay away from that. And, and you just you kind of have this thing where when you have energy, I think people who are toxic, I think you repel them. Actually, I think they don't want to be around you anymore. Um, and that to me is why I like I had a tweet that that did um, pretty big is like, I think that health is ultimately offensive. You know, I think it's like you're playing offense with health. You, you like I said, I think you repel people, but there's 100% the thing that toxic people can still want to be around you. But that's ultimately like you don't want to be around them. You know, it's like that I think is the thing of like looking at life on this cellular level where you're impenetrable when you follow your intuition. You know, the, it, there's there's no there's no thing that you can really intern or you shouldn't internalize any misery. You can definitely internalize misery. But I think it's like, you know, following this flow of energy is the thing that just gets you past that. So nothing, no stress accumulates. Ultimately, I think trauma or just death in general um, or just any decay is an accumulation of stress that you can't, um, that you don't have the energy to, to, you know, sort of detoxify or, you know, metabolize essentially. That's really how I see it. And like, 
when you're whenever you're in this like toxic environment or around people who just aren't supportive to, to what you're trying to do that's i think when you see this calcification and it's everything is becoming static and you're turning off function and um yeah i think it's imp it's important to totally just avoid dull minds avoid dull routines avoid dull situations at all costs um honestly so i think we probably agree more like more than uh you'd think but i don't know yeah, no, that's interesting. And I, I like the idea that you kind of posited that it's actually taking more discipline to stay in a bad place, in a bad environment. Um, that's really compelling because it takes a really high level of honesty with self to admit that probably, right? Like you're you're staying in this environment and you're sitting there kind of whinging and complaining like, uh, my environment's not like aligned with my goals, my whatever. But at the end of the day, you are a sovereign individual and even though it may perceptively seem hard to like make that big trajectory switch, it would immediately then be given back to you in the form of vigor and energy and expansiveness. And it would solve all of the perceived problems. Um, but that brings me to like a question that kind of came up in my mind as you were answering that, which is it seems like a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is on the psychological plane. Like these are like reframes and perspectives to take on your environment but i also know and i know i know that you don't think this either that you know you can't think your way out of problems right like that's kind of the antithesis of the issue like you can't rationalize your way into intuition like you, the point is to stop thinking and just let the obvious happen um i'm curious how you would ride that duality though because it seems like a lot of what you're talking about are these perspectives to take or reframes for your situation or mental models to install yeah, it's it's funny you say that. I'm actually glad you brought that up because like to me, I've been thinking a lot, a lot recently about this idea of mental models and, you know, sort of behavioral modification or thought patterns or intrusive thoughts. All you need to not listen to. I tend to think that there is value in every single thought. And I think you can kind of trace back the origin of every single thought that you have, as in when you're in a stressful environment, I think it takes a lot, but you can definitely get a sense of where that voice or where that thought is coming from. To me, I think that stress ultimately absconds your ability to kind of make that judgment, but you still can. You can always judge where a, th a thought is coming from. It just takes a lot to really look at your, look at your, trust your senses and look at your environment. That's the, the ultimate thing. It's like, that's, I think the ultimate like thing of like Ray's thesis or not thesis, but his, he, he was asked if there was like, if there's one protocol, um, like he thought it would be perceive, think, act, that to me, he was getting at intuition. He didn't really write much about intuition, but um, the few times he did, I think that's really what he was getting at. It's like trusting your senses and either getting this feeling of constricting in your environment, but or getting this feeling of outpouring. And really the outpouring is what you want to strive for in all situations. It's it's like, it's super primal. It's super innate to us in the, in the evolutionary thinking. But like, again, all of the complexity of the modern world kind of turns you away from that. Yeah, it, it is it is interesting and it's funny how much of the spiritual path, life journey, entrepreneurship, like all of these different verticals end up being so much more of an unlearning process than like a learning process. Um and it goes back to the childlike thing, right? Like you came in, you had it all. It was all right there. And then you had all this shit piled on top. You know, one of the most important books to me personally is The Four Agreements. I read it four times a year because it's like so concise but so profound and it talks about 
you know, what he calls agreements. It's like these contracts we make with our environment, with our world, with the people around us to agree to rules that they set up. Um, whether that be the words we use or the story we tell ourselves or let others tell us about us. And it's when you relinquish that control or like take it back, I suppose, into your individual sovereignty and deny those additional agreements that you really get to be very sovereign and personally expansive. Bro, totally, totally. Like, because to me, it's like, it's this just idea of detoxifying the stress, you know, keeping the flow moving at all levels. And like, again, it is, it is the metabolism of the, of the infant, of the baby, of the youth. And like, it's so powerful because like really for like for me there's not much more to focus on than physical flow really like a, a lot of the life processes that people focus on are all downstream of this physical flow of energy i think it starts with the sun and photosynthesis and plants and it works with animals and again of course humans can conduct photosynthesis on their skin or whatnot or like they can receive energy from the sun and like that was the ultimate focus for me is like just taking care of these things that people look at in like the the Peterian perspective of like, don't you think that, you know, you should lend more uh, credence to the idea of, you know, uh, thinking in a, cultivating a mindset of um, cultivating. A, it's like it kind of people think that it's so reductionist. I, but again, like I say, it's I think it's the complete opposite. I really think it's putting all of the control that you have into like it's kind of the stoic idea of, you know, the locus of control, really like putting your um, efforts into where you have control over and i think like diet and environment are really the things like i think ray said something along the lines of like nutrition is like a political thing it really is it's like that to me is like a really big idea because like energy itself has become this this commodity essentially of like only so many people can have energy or essentially like promoting against foods such as like beef milk and like uh, easily digestible food and instead promoting a plant-based diet like that to me is like a, a big thing that Ray looked at because it's like that's the ultimately the anti-metabolic um, things like and like you can really like bo boil these things down to like physical introductions in the environment and physical things that people promote. Like, again, propaganda plays into this 100 percent. Of course, there's a psychological aspect, but really it always gets back to, well, what are we physically consuming? And you could say, like, I think that like, yeah, social media or like what we're looking at, what's our, in our environment. I think that is physical consumption. I do. But I really think that like the food is one of the most important ones, because really, like I think our gut is the connection to our higher ideation connection to the God, essentially, like Brute and I talked about this. Like, I think that like your intestine is like your connection to the universe is what Ray said. And um, that to me, just like when he first when I first he heard him say that it just it started making sense because, you know, we call it a gut feeling for a reason. Um, and like the things then in the environment that promote irritation to the gut, promote inflammation, promote gut permeability, where you have uh, toxins leaking into the bloodstream, all this causes brain fog and takes away our ability to think. So then we need to rely on these experts or we need to rely on this reasoning that ultimately is just anti-life, essentially. Like, because like, to me, that's just what it always gets back to. It's like intuition versus reason, intuition, but it's like abundance versus scarcity, or flow versus uh, impairment. It's like all these contrasts, but. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I think we could go back and forth all day long, but I, I want to be respectful to your time and uh, and the listener as well. I've appreciated every moment of it. Um, you may or may not be aware, but I have three closure questions that I ask every single guest on the podcast. So the first of the three 
is if you could go back to a younger version of yourself and tell him one thing, what would that be? Follow your intuition. That's it. <laughs> Do you think he would be ready to receive that advice? I think so. I think it's like, yeah, I do. Fair enough. I think that that falls very in line with your philosophy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Second, secondly, uh, what is one quote that's always stuck with you or that you try to live by? Oh, I think live in accordance with your nature. If that was a direct quote from Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius, I, I know it was they had either one of them had a very similar quote. But yeah, that was always a big one for me. I love it. And finally, what do you believe is your unique gift to give the world? energy intuition that's that's really i think my my whole thing is just promoting the flow of energy really like in in every single sense um because i think there's ultimately infinite ways to achieve energy and just liberating that flow is just that's where my focus has been so yeah amazing well nate i appreciate your time uh this has been so fun um i'm glad that we're connected and we'll stay connected into the future uh where can people find you and what are you working on that you're excited about yeah, I'm on Twitter at Nate Lawrence underscore and then all other all other social medias um, like Instagram. Uh, I have TikTok, but I don't really post on TikTok. And then my YouTube are Nate Lawrence GC. And um, yeah, I'm just working on a few videos and uh, I'm probably going to have a video out on thyroid really soon, just like thyroid metabolism. That's probably going to be a longer one. So that should, I think, be a helpful thing for people trying to get into the metabolic view and whatnot. So um, yeah, I appreciate it, Zach. This is great. So um it was really fun. Amazing, bro. All of your links will be in the description below. You've made it this far. You've heard us either on you know, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you found us there for video. Also doing behind the scenes vlogs of building out this podcast and living the life that I am. So if that interests you, you can find that stuff there. You can follow myself at Z-D-S-C-H-E-N-K-E-N on Instagram and Twitter. Um, but for those that made it thus far, thank you for spending your time and attention, your most valuable resources with myself and Nate today. Memento Mori, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Vitruvian Podcast. And if he fails, at least fails while daring great, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat.